The Lymphoma Voices podcast brings you a series of conversations around topics of interest for people affected by lymphoma, the fifth most common cancer in the UK. Hello, my name is Anne Hook and I work at Lymphoma Action. Today we're going to talk about cutaneous lymphoma, also called skin lymphoma. And I'm delighted to be joined today by two people with experience of skin lymphoma, uh, Mike and Kasia. If I can turn to Mike first. Hello, Mike. Hello, I'm Mike. I stay in the Highlands of Scotland. Uh, I'm turning 68 next month. And I was first diagnosed with my type of cutaneous T-cell lymphoma, mycosis fungoides, officially in May 1999. But the journey to diagnosis was a different story. Thank you, Mike. And Kasia, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, I'm Kasia and I live in East Midlands. I um, am 42 and I was diagnosed with mycosis fungoides earlier this year. Thank you. First of all, if I can turn to you, Mike, um, can you tell me about your experience of getting a diagnosis of skin lymphoma? As I said, I was officially on paper diagnosed May 1999, but for about Three, four years, I had skin problems. I went to my very good GP who tried everything under the sun, every topical cream. And really, uh, we tried and tried and sort of controlled it to a certain degree. But he gave up. He said, right, off to to dermatology. So it took about three years to get to see a dermatologist. When I saw the dermatologist, a very experienced dermatologist who had treated mycosis fungoides before, he didn't actually tell me that I had mycosis fungoides. He actually described it as uh, parasoriasis, which was now looking back, was actually really quite left field. And I didn't find out that I had a skin lymphoma until on my birthday, November 2004. So I didn't know I had a skin lymphoma for five years, even although my paperwork eventually, once I saw it, said May 1999. So there was an interesting conversation I had with the the dermatologist, but that was my journey to diagnosis, which is really quite unusual to be diagnosed, but not told. And Kasia, can you tell us about your experience of suspecting something was amiss to diagnosis? I've had symptoms. um, My symptoms basically started when I was pregnant with my second child back in 2016 and it started very early in my pregnancy so because my main symptom was itchy skin I was told that it was probably due to pregnancy I've had all my blood checked for 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 kidneys for uh, for liver and all was fine but and was told well it must it still must be something to do with pregnancy um let's wait until you've had your child I've, I've had my child and it never stopped so we started trying similar to mike's we started trying different creams um but i was itching more and more and eventually after more than five years i um i've decided to go and seek help privately abroad And it's only then that I've had more tests done and more like more thorough checks done. And that's where I got my first indication that this could be um, this could be lymphoma. And um, I came back to UK. The doctors here wanted to to double check that that initial diagnosis was correct. And that was confirmed. And here I am today undergoing treatment. And. 
I think in the past you've told me that you come from Poland and so it was your choice was to go back to a health system that you were familiar with. That's right. That second yes. opinion, wasn't it, rather than um, just making a choice. Kasia, can I ask you what the impact was on this delay in diagnosis? It was a massive impact, mainly psychological, emotional, because the symptoms from all the typical symptoms for, for skin lymphoma and the itching was the worst part for me. And it got to this, to the point where I couldn't have a proper sleep uh, because the itching would mainly happen during the night. It stopped me from having like doing normal things like socializing in the evenings. I would be very stressed in the meetings when I was at work because I would get sudden attack of itch and I would have to go to the toilet and literally scratch all over my body. I think the nighttime was the, the, the worst time for me in the past few years. If I go back and, and think about it, it's it's the sleep that was affected. And then obviously the sleep, once the sleep is affected, your mental health goes and it just spiraled from then with my ability to, to function in work, at home, you know. So I've noticed that there was like a dramatic decline in my even cognitive functioning and I was blaming everything for it. I was thinking maybe it's an early menopause. I didn't know what was going on. I was really tired. So yeah, it's major, I would say major effect, uh, impact on my life. Thank you. And Mike, does that echo your experience or was yours quite different? Yeah, uh, mine was actually quite different. Because I wasn't told that I had lymphoma, I knew plenty of people who had psoriasis. So I understood that people get psoriasis, they get skin conditions. Mm. So I was living my life thinking, well, I put the cream on because that's what you did. I started to get UVB, a light treatment, and that improved it. So I can now reflect back that it put my skin condition into a partial remission. And then I had months of clean skin, no itching, nothing. As I said, it took five years by accident. I got copied into a letter that was sent to my GP and it said lymphoma. And that's when it came out. And I had a discussion with the dermatologist and I said, look, why did you not tell me? He said, he, he, he fudged it. But basically he said, if I told you five years ago that you had lymphoma, would you have been stressed about it? Obviously I said, yes. He says, well, it's five years you haven't stressed it. Now, I wouldn't recommend that as the best approach, but it was actually really true. I didn't stress it out at all. And I worked in a, a very demanding teaching job, full timetable. I would get up at seven o'clock in the morning, go up to hospital, get my light treatment, come home, shower, go to work, teach all day with 16-year-old boys. That went on for a number of years. So my experience is really quite different because I had learned that I could live with it and not stress it. But once I started to get stressed, once I found out that I don't fool man, things got a wee bit more tricky. I found that my skin got worse. Yeah, it's a quite a different um, route to where I am now. That's yeah. interesting. And Kasia, I mean, did you understand what lymphoma was and how did you feel about diagnosis? Honestly, I had no idea. I All this time until I got the results back from Poland, I had no idea that I was even investigated for it. In my head, it was something to do with my skin. I was suspecting an eczema. Uh, and because doctors here didn't know what it was, and I've, I've been to several different doctors and we were going through anemia, through mast cell activation syndrome. We would go via eczema route. We tried various things. 
just never crossed my mind that it could have something to do with cancer. And even the doctor, when I went to Poland for this initial diagnosis, they even didn't tell me that they were taking samples for this particular condition. They would just take loads of different samples. And it's when the results came back that I had this massive shock. I didn't know what the condition was. I work in the science field. I work with people who do cancer research and I didn't know about it. Mm-hmm. I didn't know about it. I didn't know. I know about lymphomas. I know about leukemias, but I would never, it would never cross my mind that itchy skin equals cancer. Never. It never crossed my mind. So it was a massive shock when I got the results mm-hmm. and I had no idea about the condition. Obviously, then I started learning about this condition and I found lymphoma action website, really, really useful resource. Tasha, can I ask you how you felt about getting that diagnosis? Yes, I felt a big relief. I actually, I think on the day I was, I received the results. I think I slept through the night like a baby because, you know, all all this time, all these years, not knowing what was happening to me was very tiring. So eventually when I, when the, when, when I was told you've got this, I saw the light at the end of the tunnel because I know that for most of the conditions these days, there is a treatment. So I knew that, okay, finally, I am diagnosed. We can just move on and just forget about the, the, you know, what happened until then. That was really important. And I didn't feel any grief, really, because I feel, you know, there is people who live with all sorts of conditions. (sighs) This might sound a bit philosophical, but I'm actually more privileged now because I know I have a condition and I need to work on my life and be sure that I make the most of it. Lots of um, people talk about having blood tests before their diagnosis and and that isn't always the most straightforward way to get a diagnosis. Um, Was that your experience at all, Kasia? Yes, it is. Uh, It's interesting that you ask this because in my own experience, I found that having just a simple standard blood test, you know, blood cell counts wasn't very helpful because they were always perfectly normal. It's only when I had a specialist blood test done, it's only then that the doctors realized that the makeup of my lymphocytes wasn't correct. And because it it formed about 10% of the whole population of my uh, white blood cells, they couldn't decide between on the diagnosis because it was either a Cesare syndrome, which is more aggressive form, or a mycosis fungoides. So initially, I was being seen by hematologist and dermatologist. 10%, I think, currently is, is, a, is a cutoff line. So based on the symptoms, the doctors have decided that they, they were going to pursue with the treatment for mycosis fungoides rather than Cesare syndrome. That's really interesting because I can go back and go the other way because I had been seen by dermatology for 14 years. I'd never had problems with my uh, blood counts at all. And once my condition became aggressive, I was handed over to uh, hematology. And then out of the blue, hematology started speaking about peripheral T-cell lymphoma, none otherwise specified. And that really confused me. And they were saying that there's a very, very fine line between mycosis fungoides and peripheral T-cell lymphoma. I don't totally understand it because I'm not a scientist, but they went forward as though they were treating peripheral T-cell lymphoma, but at the same time, they were treating my mycosis fungoides because of the skin treatments I was getting as well. 
So I was actually being, all intents and purposes, treated for two types at exactly the same time. Very confusing. There it is. It's, my, it's skin lymphomas for you. So, Mike, you've mentioned about some light treatment. Can you tell us a little bit more about what treatment you've had since your diagnosis? I think the, the standard treatments most people will have is topical creams, steroid creams. They worked reasonably well for a period of time. Then I moved on to ultraviolet B, uh, UVB treatment, basically a sunbed or a sun booth, which um, was very, very highly controlled by the nurse team. You, you go into the booth and you're there for about three seconds on the first blast. I was on 15% increment, so it, it went up by 15%. And by the end of 10 weeks, uh, three sessions a week, I had 30 sessions and I'll maybe be in the sun booth for 15 minutes. So I did that for a couple of years. The time between the partial remission to having to go back onto treatments again started to get shorter. So I then went on to PUVA, which is ultraviolet A, and that's taken with uh, a Solrin drug, which uh, makes the skin soak in the, the sunlight, which was for me was very successful. But I was also on uh, a few retinoid drugs, oral drugs. But as my skin got worse and the, the time between treatments got shorter and shorter, I managed to get permission from the local health board to be put on uh, Bixoritin. Bixoritin was quite new at that period of time. It was costing about £80 a day to be on Bixoritin, but they paid it and it was really successful. Combined with some light treatment, it really controlled uh, my skin. But the problem was, it was reasonably new. My dermatologist wasn't completely up with the drug. I found that my cholesterol went up, my thyroid was closing down. So we had to reduce the drug, then go into thyroxine, um, et cetera, et cetera. And that stopped the effectiveness of the drug. And that's when my skin erupted, basically. It went out of control. Various, very large skin tumours developed. The initial one that kicked it all off was I had a tennis ball-sized tumour on my forehead. But radiotherapy fixed that. But because my immune system had come down, my lymph nodes started to explode. My bone marrow was affected, so I was stage four. That's when I had to move on to chemotherapy. Now, it took 14 years to get there. And I know a lot of people who never get there to that point. But I had to go into chemotherapy. And uh, the main route then was for long-term remission was allergenic stem cell transplant was recommended. I had two allergenic stem cell transplants. First one failed, but because it was relatively new, the conditioning, I know people who have had the same process and haven't had to go into a second stem cell transplant. And my second stem cell transplant was October 2015. My eighth rebirth date was on Saturday, and I haven't been back to see a dermatologist since. Does that mean that you, you're in remission? It's the longest remission uh, that I've ever had. The longest I had was about nine months, slowly coming down and down and down. But I am eight years in remission. That's amazing. It's so in some respects, it, it is a, a remarkable thing that can be done. But to get to that point, you have to be at your worst point in your journey. Uh, and thankfully, a lot of people don't get there. Asha, can you tell us about what treatment you've had? So because my because I was diagnosed relatively recently, um, I was diagnosed uh, with stage three mycosis fungoides. And so uh, it was caught a bit earlier. 
So originally the doctors were going to uh, to try Puva on me, but because I'm light skinned and I'm, I tend to be quite sensitive to skin, uh, they've decided to go against it and they've put me on methotrexate. So I've been on methotrexate since mid-June and now we've been increasing doses and I, I keep having my regular um, um, review appointments with the doctors. I don't think we are there yet because I still have the symptoms. It's slightly milder than it was last year, but it's still there. So it's not like I can go a day without even thinking about it because it's just a constant reminder. You probably noticed me that I've been, I've been itching, my palms were itching and um, I do a lot of that. So yes, I'm, I'm relatively early at my treatment journey. Mm. And you said that you're on methotrexate at the moment. Is that causing you any side effects at all? Yes, it is causing side effects. It's making me the first few days uh, after injection, I feel very, very tired and I get very nauseous. I take the, the doctors have increased my folic acid to help with nausea. Maybe there is a slight improvement, but also I think it's it's a matter of my body um, adjusting to to the medication. I just know that the first couple of days are a bit harsh. So I, because I work full time Monday till Friday, I take my injection on Saturday morning. So I know that the worst time is gone by the time I have to go to work. Are there any other ways that you feel your skin lymphoma is impacting on your life? Although I'm old enough to not to be bothered about this, but when I have flare-ups, it's quite, it can look quite disturbing. <laughs> and when people are not aware, you know, obviously, which is absolutely normal human behavior, if you see something that doesn't look natural, you tend to have this reaction. So some people will ask what happens, some people will just, you know, they won't ask, but you see that they have this reserve <laughs> but obviously um for me the worst part is at work when i have a business meeting and you're supposed to do a handshake and my hands are red and look horrible that's where i'm the most conscious of this but other than that i just i know i don't really worry about uh how do i look and mike i know that you feel that your skin's actually back to normal so does your lymphoma have any impact on your day-to-day -day life now yeah, because when you go through something like stem cell transplant, there can be what I call post-treatment leftovers. Uh, I've now got a heart condition that was caused by uh, one of the chemotherapies that was used during this, my second stem cell transplant. Uh, and basically it developed AFib and that led to a year and a half ago, I had a heart attack because of the, the drugs that were used. Unfortunately, um, they put in stents and everything's fine. So it's little things that I've been left with. My immune system is reduced. So when I get my bloods done every year, my bloods are at the bottom of the acceptable range, but I've now learned to live within that range. So I've got low white cells, et cetera, et cetera. So I just have to learn to live with that. And um, for the first three years after my second stem cell transplant, I had umpteen sepsis, uh, pneumonia, but that's, that's a journey that a new immune system takes to build itself up. Uh, I had the immune system of a baby, and we know what babies are like when they're born. So I've had a different type of problem, but I can totally appreciate when the skin was bad. I would come home from work, 
I worked in an environment that was quite dusty because I taught um, construction and my skin would be really quite angry. Uh, so I would have a cold shower uh, to calm my skin down. And then I'd get, my wife would have to actually, because I was 70% 70 covered in lesions. And me, there was nothing on my face until 14 years, nothing on my hands. No one saw anything apart from my wife. And she would have to cover me with all the creams. I would have to get into my pajamas. I would put on cotton socks, cotton gloves, um, so I wouldn't scratch myself. And that's how I would sleep. Sometimes with a, a, a cotton hat on, because I, I had one or two parts in my hair. But you just have to soldier on. You're always in the hope that the next treatment will make it a longer partial remission. A lot of people don't understand skin lymphomas. If we go to some of the lymphomas that people have tumours grow inside them, it's simple to understand that. You take those tumours, you spread them out and plop them on our skin. And that's how we have to live with these big patches all over the place. Can I ask you, Kasia, you mentioned that you first became unwell or aware something was wrong when you were pregnant. So you have a young family. Does your skin lymphoma have an impact on either your children or your husband or your, your wider family at all? Absolutely. Firstly, when we were talking about medication, I forgot to mention the topical steroids. It's just something that it's just so standard for me that I don't even think about it. And on the top of injections, I get steroids. And because we I use the strongest steroids, my little one is only five. And obviously little kids like to have a cuddle. And I usually have a cream at night. So it's very, sometimes it's, well, by now he's learned that mommy has a, a, a medication on her skin and he can't have a cuddle unless I put something that covers whole all of my body because I don't want it on his skin. So, you know, those small things that affect your daily routine, you don't, you think, you do things, you take things for granted and you just do things without thinking. But then when those, when you stumble upon those little hurdles, you realize how, how, how you need to adjust everything and your family needs to adjust. My eldest, who is 16 now, he's more involved in helping around the household because I can't wear gloves to, to do any cleaning in the house. So he's helping us with that. And obviously I'm also very tired. So he's, he started helping us a lot. My husband, he's involved in applying the creams uh it's just because it's so difficult it's quite tiring you know putting a cream all over your body it's quite hard work i also forgot to mention my issue with water because the, my skin got to the stage where it was so raw and so sensitive i had to minimize taking showers to once a week and it was literally 20 seconds just quick shower just to refresh my body no longer because after the shower, I would sit for half an hour on my bed and cry because it would just feel like if I was, if I had acid splashed all over my body. It's a horrible, very painful sensation. And, you know, hands washing, you're meant to wash your hands so many times a day. I honestly, I, I can't. I can't because my skin, I get, I get so many cracks. And um, even if I use lots of Vaseline, it's still very painful. My skin is like paper now from all the steroids. It's very thin. And obviously on my feet and on my hands, it's on my palms, it's, it's very hard. And it's like 
it's lost flexibility. So when I do simple tasks, honestly, the, the simplest things, my skin just breaks and then it takes forever to heal. Um, so I just, I'm just a very sensitive petal now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless you. Oh, and you know, what I'm hearing is that coming to terms with a long-term condition takes a lot of adjusting to. I'm sort of reflecting back and because I'm so far down the road and some of the memories have got a bit fuzzy away at the back of my head. And I'm reflecting on going on holiday once. We went to Italy, but there was one side of the, the case had boxes of padded dressings that are uh, they're not too sticky so they don't rip your skin off. Because that's what happens. If you put an, an elastoplast on your skin, it rips your skin off. And uh, one of the problems I did have when I had my UVA that I was overcooked slightly, which is very easy to do because there's very small measures between how long you're in the machine. And I actually ended up getting burned uh, on my uh, my posterior, quite badly burned. We had to make up dressings. These dressings were four inches by four inches. We had to cut the edges and make a dressing so big to cover the whole of my bum yeah. uh, because I couldn't sit down because the pain was unbelievable and that took months to heal. I reflect back to these challenges. You just wish that you could get a drug and it fixed. But I, I know so many people, because I've got to know a, a lot of people with uh, mycosis fungoides who hardly have had any treatment whatsoever. There's one or two stars of TV and um, other fame one gentleman went on to be 96 uh, and only had a small amount of treatment for his mycosis fungoides. But yet other people who are younger, I, I was diagnosed when I was 43, which is actually quite a normal-ish age to get diagnosed at. Yeah, it's such an unusual chronic health condition is the best way to describe it. I think a lot of people that will be listening to this podcast may be doing so either because they've got a skin lymphoma diagnosis or they think perhaps they have skin lymphoma. What would be your message to them in terms of if they're concerned that they they could have this condition, how should they go about approaching it with their medical team, do you think? I'll turn to Kasia first, if I may. You just have to be persistent. If you know there is, you just have to trust your own guts. If you know there is something wrong with you, if you get the feeling that there is no confidence in them saying, oh, it's an eczema or this or that, Go and ask for a second opinion. I appreciate that I had this luxury or privilege to go somewhere else and pay privately and not everyone will have this privilege, but just persevere and be persistent. Don't let the system forget about you. Mm -hmm. uh, if you feel that you, you were meant to be getting a letter about your appointment, but it's not there, give them a call. I know it's really difficult, especially if you start suffering from anxiety or tired, it's difficult to, to give someone a call and explain, just be, be on it, just ha or have someone to help you with this. And you just have to be very persistent because I've had multiple doctors telling me I didn't fit the profile because I wasn't a male, I wasn't over 70 and I wasn't dark skinned. So because I didn't fit the profile, it took us quite a while to get there. <laughs> and Mike, what would you say? It is a massive challenge to get past your GP, for them to think past the simple uh, dermatological terms. The beauty of nowadays is keeping a digital record of photographs of how things have progressed. 
with a diary when things are progressing. In reality, when the most dermatological uh, conditions, skin conditions, you're not going to be totally fatigued as you are with cutaneous T-cell lymphoma. It's a different level of fatigue. It's a different level of um, tiredness. That can't be ignored. If, if your GP is not listening, you need to find another GP. My, my GP was great. We kept discussing it and we, because I wasn't really too bad. And we were keeping it under control, low-level steroids. You couldn't Google it way back in 1997. Um, he really just did his textbooks, so he, he referred me. But a lot of GPs, are, they just don't want to do it. Uh, you just have to keep pestering him. I appreciate you sharing your experiences um, on what is a challenging condition to live with. Could you tell us what helps you cope living with the condition? Have you got any strategies or tips that you could share? I think in the early days, I was able to deal with going to the regular dermatology appointments. But when the condition became more pronounced, then there was more information starting to come out. I mean, a shed load of information. So that was when my wife had to be there because we needed two sets of ears. Um, my wife was a note taker and she was a prompter. So we would set up questions before we actually went into the appointment. There were so many questions that we needed answers for. So especially at stem cell transplant, we asked if we could record the meetings and we were allowed to record them, which was great because we were able to then, at a future date, review them. But before we were able to record anything, after immediately after the appointment, we would go straight to the hospital cafe, buy a coffee and sit down and read through everything that we had, she had written down. And I would reflect on what I heard and she would reflect on what she heard and we noted it. And we've actually got all the notebooks up on the shelf here. And these notebooks are going back 24 years. Yep, gosh, I'm showing her notebook. These are unbelievably important to reflect about the dates, times, what he said, what I said, what they said. But the most important thing, and picking up is some of the things Akasha said, to look to the future. The back pages of our notebooks was where we put our hopes and dreams. <laughs> and that was important because there's always life further on down the line. And um, I'm quite happy to say that I would look through those notebooks today and see ticks beside our two daughters getting married. Tick, tick. Our two daughters uh, having children. Tick, 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 four beautiful granddaughters. Holidays that we would like to do, tick, tick. Getting a, a, a cancer diagnosis, a lymphoma diagnosis, a rare lymphoma diagnosis, there is still life out there to be had. And that's really important. That's fantastic. Thank you, Mike. And we have a couple of additional questions that we ask everyone that we're throwing into the pot. So, Mike, what brings you joy? It's, it's very easy to answer just living. I'm very fortunate that I'm eight years out from a treatment that has cleaned my skin. But the main thing that brings me joy is my wife, my family, my four granddaughters and my friends. And uh, I'm looking out our window and see the beautiful autumn colours outside. Just living life as best and as full as I can. That brings, that's what brings joy. Kasia, what brings you joy? Absolutely. So I second Mike's experiences. It's 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 my family, my wonderful husband, my uh, beautiful children, um, gardening, definitely gardening, sky gazing, 
and walks. Thank you. Another question I wanted to ask you both, and I'll start with Kasia this time. What would be the one piece of advice you'd give somebody who had just had a diagnosis of skin lymphoma? So my advice to people who've just recent who've just had a uh, diagnosis would be to not Google things because the internet you you have to have certain level of knowledge to be able to distinguish what's the good information and what's not. I would recommend strongly recommend going to trusted resources on this and start with Lymphoma Action website. I believe Lymphoma Action is is one of those resources. If you don't have the right level of scientific background, you might be misinterpreting things and you might be doing yourself more harm than good. So that's my advice. Thank you, Kasia. And Mike? Yeah, I totally agree with Kasia. I'm no scientist. Um, if you asked me how to, to build a roof and a stair, I would totally show you how to do it. But when it comes to medical things, I have no idea. So uh, the foam actions material is brilliant. And the other thing I would ask is get involved in the Lymphoma Actions Facebook page. There is nothing better than talking to people who have walked the walk and have got the T-shirt. Totally agree. Get connected in with people who understand. Don't walk the journey by yourself. Find people with a kindred spirit and uh, start talking to them. Asha, did you have something else you wanted to add? Yes, I wanted to, to add also that I also joined the, the monthly meetings for people with skin lymphoma and I also found them really helpful because there is other people who have the same condition or similar condition and you get to exchange your experiences and listen to people's, to people's stories, which is also very helpful. It gives you that feeling that you're not alone in this journey. Thank you, Mike and Kasia. Thank you for a fascinating uh, discussion on skin lymphoma. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much. For more information about lymphoma and the support we can offer to people affected by the condition, please visit the Lymphoma Action website at www.lymphoma-action.org.uk. Lymphoma Action. Inform. Support. Connect.